1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State athletics. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN.
2: Well, some uh, big-time breaking men's basketball news out of the Big 12 today. If you haven't heard about it, I guess we could tell you about it right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Jerome Tang has his Twitter account back. This is big news, guys. He was locked out for, seems like, weeks. And I'm like, where is Coach Tang's retweets? I, haven't, <laughs> I You know, I woke up at 2 a.m. the other day. And I'm like, I haven't seen a tweet in a while. What's going on? It's because he's been locked out. He got it back, and he announced earlier today that he's back.
1: I want the full story on this. I really do. How does Jerome Tang get locked out of Twitter? First of all, first and foremost,
2: I had a Twitter account before at Mitch the Fort, and I didn't have like, you know, and I'm I'm not obviously if you follow me on social media, I'm not the best at social media. I'm honestly not a big fan of it. Other than you know, like when you get breaking news today, like Kansas gets the slap on the wrist and they're not facing a postseason ban in college basketball, that kind of news, you know, is, certainly Twitter is helpful. Uh, but I'm not great at like tweeting stuff out, right? And sharing my opinions on things, which I'm sure people are just dying to know. But um, we need Jerome Tang Twitter. Jerome Tang Twitter is good Twitter. Dream Dowling Twitter is good Twitter. K State Twitter is good Twitter. We need Jerome Tang. We need Jerome Tang Twitter. <laughs> Welcome to the game. Mitch Fortner alongside Trey Coverdale and John Grove, who's running the board along with Travion Brooklyn, Watching over him like a hockey reminds me of my fifth grade teacher. Man, when I was slipping a little bit, she was over my shoulder watching every move I made to make sure I was on the task at hand. And how'd that work out for you? Uh, I I got some B's. Oh, okay. I got some B's. Yeah. Wasn't the best student, but I didn't do too bad that first (laughs) semester of fifth grade. Um, Coming up in hour number two, obviously, we're going to be tackling the big news of the day, and that's KU receiving uh, three years probation from the IARP uh, for the six-year investigation into the, of course, Adidas allegations Um. Plus, we'll get to a Troy's number 2 song of the day, some Ask Us Anything. And our number t- 1, because I wasn't here yesterday, we will be crowning a brand new Jabroni of the Week coming up in a matter of moments. But guys, it's Wednesday, and you know what that means. AEW Dynamite was last night uh, because Major League Baseball playoffs are going on right now on TBS. Dynamite airs on TBS, so they slid over to Tuesday, And I was in attendance last night because it was in Independence, Missouri. Stack card. It was a fantastic show. I don't know if I could tell you the best match because they were all great. And by the way, it was nearly a sold-out show. So the crowd also showed up and made it a great environment. Fantastic environment. You know, a big part of wrestling shows is the crowd. If the crowd's just sitting there silent, it's kind of boring. It's better when there's an environment. Just like basketball. It's way better when there's a great environment. And you'll get that this season in the Octagon of Doom, which, by the way, the season starts in like three weeks uh, when that exhibition is played. But, guys, that also means we're joined by Derek Young from K-Stan Online. He joins us via the Zoom. DY, if you want to be the first to give any thoughts on this uh, KU three-year probation and not getting a postseason ban, not getting um, a show cause for their coaches – Um, there are five level one violations downgraded to level twos and level threes. Any thoughts on what took place and what was announced earlier today?
0: It's consistent with the other IARP investigations. I think to Arizona and Louisville, I don't think they were crippled too much by um, any of the punishments either, the IARP was really just created to to handle this thing is actually going away because yeah. it's been pretty ineffective and inefficient. The, it, my only takeaway is it's kind of what I expected, even if the like the allegations are pretty damning and severe. I I'm I'm not saying Ku was innocent by any means. I'm saying that I anticipated them being let off the hook, and they were let off the hook just like Arizona was just like Louisville was Um, the only difference from those being that they retained their head coach. And obviously those schools let theirs go because of what was being accused and alleged. And I also hearken back, you know, to just, what was it a year ago, maybe two years ago, where Oklahoma state got a penalty that it did not deserve. They were, the allegations against them were far less severe than those at Arizona, Kansas, and Louisville, and for some reason, they were penalized the most.
1: As I commented on Twitter this afternoon, Oklahoma State got hammered. So Kansas, or, you know, for uh, Kansas's infractions, basically is how I looked at it.
2: Well, and Oklahoma State was the only of—I oh, don't know this for a fact, but I know everybody else when it comes to the major infractions infract- that was investigated. Got the investigation done by the IARP. They made that decision. Oklahoma State did not. Uh, and Troy reminded me of that before we hit the show, before we hit the air, that they had the opportunity to make that mm-hmm. move, but instead they allowed the NCAA to make a ruling. They appealed. Appeal was denied. And by the way, Oklahoma State did get the postseason ban, which they did not play in the 21-22 season. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did get to play postseason when Kate Cunningham was there while it was being appealed. And then... Um, It was appealed, and it was denied. So they had to take the postseason ban for one year, which they finished 15-15. and They weren't a great team. Um, But also, they also got the three-year probation. KU got the three-year probation, no postseason ban. And then, by the way, Lamont Evans is on a 10-year show cause. Um, D. White, we bring you on here, of course, to talk some K-State football, and that's where we're going to get to. Will Howard throws three interceptions at Oklahoma State. It was a brutal day for the for the K State offense. Will said on Tuesday that he felt like that was his worst game since his freshman year. You were there in Stillwater. Do you agree with that statement by Will Howard? His worst game in three years.
0: Yes, I would agree with that. He was not. He was far from his best. It was not a good performance from him. Uh, what made it worse is it was probably the worst game for the offensive line and for the receivers and perhaps the same time frame as well. Everyone chose to lay their biggest dud on, on the same night. And that's why they were down 26 to seven at one point. And quite frankly, with the way that they played where everyone's laying a dud at the same time, it's shocking that they had a chance to with the ball to tie the game up at the end of the game. I don't know if that says like, anything about the Kansas State resolve or if it, you know, it might say something about Oklahoma State being who we thought they were as well.
2: It's so wild. These two losses for K-State, despite the issues, Um, Hmm. K-State had two chances offensively to go win the game or take the lead and hopefully hang on to win the game with the defense. And then at Oklahoma State, two chances to go tie the game and the offense comes up flat. I don't know about you, but you, you mentioned you thought also the offensive line had its had its worst game in a while, worst game this year maybe. The last two possessions, like they were, do you feel like they just did not perform well at all in those last two possessions?
0: I mean, it was kind of a microcosm of the game. I don't yeah. think that those last two possessions were necessarily any worse than the first couple, where they went three and out. So,
2: true.
0: Uh, it it's just a trend where, when they need to play the most on offense, or they need to stop the most on defense, they haven't been getting them.
2: Were the three interceptions by Will were they were they his fault?
0: Not all of them. I mean, I, I think with the one to Phil Brooks, <laughs> I think that one's probably pretty shared because I don't know that that ball gets to a spot. If it's thrown right to the guy, right, you, you, you got to take some of the blame. But that was a really poorly run route, and a receiver that basically kind of improvised once he realized that his poorly run route was not going to yield very good results. Um, there's also part of it where Will Howard probably needs to throw it on time, because uh, he was open for a flash, um and the ball wasn't out yet so that one's probably shared the first one's probably shared um that that's a ball where he's not seeing the safety but it's again the receiver running a different route than what howard threw um so that's pretty disappointing the third one is all howard and in that situation i realized he's trying to make a play um trying very, very hard to make a play for his team and, and a little bit of a des- act of desperation there. But that's not fourth down. Um, avoid, I, I understand the desire to avoid sacks, but in that situation, it's not fourth down. You're trying to put together a drive to tie the game. Uh, sometimes you got to eat the ball and, and live live to see another day, and especially when it's not fourth down.
2: Yeah, I thought, well, the second one, I hear you on the first one. I think that's fair. The second one, you know, Will's try to hit an out route from across the field. I, I, I just think that's too long of a throw. It may be just not enough zip on the ball. I don't know. I wasn't there. It just seemed like on TV that was too far of a throw to hit that kind of route.
0: Well, he didn't throw it on time, so that's part of the issue.
2: We're speaking with Derek Young from K State Online. Um, I don't even know if, well, it it didn't really even seem like a, uh, an out route though, from.
0: It was supposed from, to be, but I okay. mean, he, Phil Brooks turns it into an out, mm-hmm. an up route because he didn't run a very good route and it was covered up by the time Howard was releasing the ball and, you know, in, he keeps his route alive and, and turns up field when, and just as Howard was beginning to throw it. So. Howard's not throwing that on time. Philip Brooks is not running a good route. Um, uh, a litany, of, I mean, that was probably maybe a, another one where you could say, hey, a microcosm of the game. Um, multiple mistakes by multiple players, and, and it's a pick six. And And you'll you wonder where that game goes from there if you're not throwing a pick six and you actually do get into halftime down only 13 to seven.
2: I asked, uh, we, we can get more into the wide receivers here. I asked Coach Kleiman yesterday, um, and this was just based of my—I I did a pretty quick—actually, uh, it was just the first time I watched the uh, the game. I did a quick watch on Monday to kind of fit it in before I had Wildcat Insider with Wyatt. And, um, you know, there were a number of plays, I thought, in the second half that I thought Phillip Brooks did not play 100%. There were plays that the wide receivers weren't running 100%. Um, and I asked Coach about that. He said that wasn't happening at all. What's your opinion? Did you feel like I'm wrong or that coach was maybe just trying to protect his guys?
0: Uh, yeah, I doubt that he really wants to address that in a public manner. So hmm. I think that's part of it um, because that, obviously – and, and really the playing question I thought you know, that other people are referring to that kind of went viral on, on Twitter and other places, the video – where Philip Brooks kind of goes on the, you know, takes that jet action on a Will Howard sweep to the left and um, kind of gives up, uh, seemingly does give up on the play there. And when it's Howard one-on-one, he don't get the first down or probably could have been a play where it's easily a touchdown. And, and that that looks like a mess. That looks like a disaster. And that does look like a lack of effort. But, man, the more I look into it, I think the guy that zipped off the edge is actually was the one that, is probably the assignment block for Philip Brooks. And the guy just zipped by him before he was able to turn a field. As you could see, if you go back and look at that play, you can see the reaction by Brooks where he almost turns around and and tries to figure out what just happened. Um, But what he needs to do is to keep playing. Like, just because the guy that was supposed to be your block all of a sudden is, you know, gone and away, doesn't mean you stop playing. So... For me, it feels like him being more of a robot rather than a lack of effort, although I could see why people have that takeaway, especially since I have seen a lack of effort on downfield routes from Philip Brooks just because I I think he's not expecting the ball.
2: Talking with Derek Young from K-State Online, I want to squeeze in one more uh, wide receiver question before we take a break. And, and Coach Kleiman, you know, mentioned yesterday as well that it might start looking to some younger guys to uh, get some more opportunities, get some more snaps on the field potentially. What are your optimism about right now this current group of like starting wide receivers just as a group of getting better and being better route runners and being more explosive and showing improvement after this loss against Oklahoma State?
1: Well,
0: I think there's only one way to go, and that's up. So in terms of improvement, I would I would certainly hope that they can improve upon that performance because it was pretty putrid. In general, this group was always going to struggle probably if it didn't have Keegan Johnson being Keegan Johnson, and we still haven't seen that. Whether it's health, whether it's a lack of performance, health played has played a large role for most of it. I think he is healthy now. I think they need to incorporate him and be more purposeful about incorporating him into the offense and really... Scheme and spotlight him as much as they can, and, and put him in a position to succeed. Because the success or perception of that room throughout the off was predicated on him being a really, really, really good football player, and that's been hamstrung for one reason or another. So, if if you ask us, you know, all of us that are on this right now six months ago. What do you think about this Kansas state wide receiver room? If it didn't have Keegan Johnson, I think you would have questions. So it's almost like that's what's happening. Like you don't necessarily have Keegan Johnson. Um, And outside of that, I think you'd have questions about the room in general. Um, A lack of consistency, maybe a lack of speed in spots as well, but unable to stretch the field and, and some of that's also just a result of, you know what, they went through a, what, it was like a three-year stretch there, with Courtney Messingham as your offense coordinator, I believe. And that offense was never going to be conducive to good wide receiver production. Wide receivers are not going, going to sign up for an offense that is not conducive to wide receiver production where they're not going to get the ball very much. It's an offense that loves to run the ball, and it's an offense that likes to snap the ball two or three seconds to go and you keep the the uh, the other team's offense off the field and where defense is down and and in a, a very low amount of plays and a, and a very slow pace wide receivers aren't signing up for that so the, now you can argue that maybe they haven't flipped this room fast enough to where it needs to be to you know facilitate the offense that they absolutely want to facilitate but at the end of the day I mean I think that room is affected By those multiple years, uh, probably less than desirable recruiting classes at wide receiver, which was a result of being in an off or conducting an offense that isn't attractive to them.
2: Yeah, and certainly going through a number of wide receiver coaches as well during Kleiman's time here at K State. DY, let's go ahead and take our first break. And when we come back, we talk Avery Johnson. Does K State and the offense in the game plan? Have to have Avery in there somewhere going forward. And we'll also talk some recruiting because Michael Boganowski has a big announcement coming up soon. He's a linebacker from Junction City. You're listening to the game. We are back on the game. Mitch Fortner, Trey Coverdale. John Grove running the board with uh, Travion Berklin. We're got that hair looking good and uh, big fro right now. And he's uh, still che- teaching John the ropes over there. 6'3",
1: six, 6'9", six, with the afro.
2: If Travion was 6'3". I know. It's a, it's a Chevy Chase joke from Fletch. He's not on mic. I can't ask him how tall. John, how, how, John Grove, how tall are you? You seem like a tall kid.
0: I am six two, six three around there. It's you're, it's hard to keep ta- it's hard to keep track these you're, days. You're
2: taller than your dad. Yeah, I'm taller than
0: my dad. Yeah. Yep.
2: You have any brothers and sisters? Uh, I have a sister. Uh, she's not as tall as I am, but she she's she's still my sister. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> that's, a, that's one way of putting it. All right, I, I yeah. have a sister who's shorter than me, and she's still my sister. Welcome back. We got uh, Derek Young from K-State Online joining us via Zoom as we talk uh, K-State football coming off the loss. They're now 3-2, and two, losing at uh, Oklahoma State 29-21. Uh, you know, do you didn't talked talk to about the defense? Yeah, let's talk a little defense. You know, we were looking for the secondary to not give up uh, big plays anymore, trying to limit that as much as possible, force some turnovers. Well, of course, they go bin but don't break. A lot of cushion, even though Coach Climate addressed it, that should tighten it up. Maybe a little bit of that in the second half. What did you think about the secondary's performance? Although guys banged up, how did they perform on Saturday or Friday?
0: Sorry, sorry about that. Yeah, that that was a that was a bend but don't don't break approach, and I know people hate that because it's not sexy, Hmm. but. Kind of was the way to go if you're if you're trying to limit the big play, right? And you don't have your starting cornerbacks, uh, you're banged up at that spot. You've been giving up big plays all year, and that's really been what has ailed you as a defense. They went bend but don't break and work. They held them to six field goal attempts. They only make five. Um, look, it's not easy on the eyes to watch that brand of defense, but it was effective. I, Now, Chris Kleiman wants it to be a little tighter, and maybe I understand that, but for me, it's hard to take a crack at at a defensive philosophy that was pretty effective.
2: Yeah, a lot of dinking and dunking here and there for uh, Alan Bowman for Oklahoma State, like to shore up some of that tackling when they go with those kind of plays and get off those blocks. Now, Now, back to the offense, tease this before the break, and that's about Avery Johnson, who's not played the last couple of games after showing up for some run plays Uh, With Will Howard still in the game, by the way, rolling out at wide receiver. But running the football against Missouri in, what was it, two weeks ago, I asked you the question, were you surprised that Avery didn't play? And you said yes. Does this now move from surprise to shock that he hasn't played the last couple of games?
0: I I don't know what what that qualifies. What I will say is it's it's a little – part of it is confusing, I would say, just because – the the plan is so game dependent that it shifts your personnel so much. Like Missouri is a pretty critical game and he plays, I think five, six snaps and, and then not at all against UCF, which I could kind of understand because that game went as planned and as orchestrated for Kansas state, really not a lot of offensive issues. And Will Howard was healthier than we anticipated. And then, Oklahoma State, there was more than enough times to where Avery Johnson could have benefited the offense. So just a little perplexed, not necessarily because it's Avery Johnson or because Will was going through some struggles, but also because if you you need him to win a game at Missouri, it just seems to me to make sense to need him in another game afterwards whether that's UCF or Oklahoma State especially Oklahoma State and you're down 26 to 7 and the offense is scuffling so if it was me he would have played um obviously they chose not to uh, Will Howard would still be my starting quarterback I'm not jumping the gun on that but it seems to me, if, if you think Avery Johnson can help you against Missouri, that he probably could have helped you against Oklahoma State.
2: Yeah, and I I do agree with that. Now, looking at the Texas Tech game, right now this the, the offense is needing a spark, especially on the road. It, it just hasn't looked too good on the road right now. And that's where just K-State has struggled right now, is uh, finding consistency certainly on the road. You're 0-2 against Mizzou in, in Oklahoma State. Now you're going to another road environment. It's going to be a tough place to play a night game in Lubbock, Texas. Um, you know, do you feel like the offense needs to play Avery Johnson just to find a spark?
0: Especially if things don't go well or they hit a wall, I would. I'm not going to blindly say that because if Will Howard goes out there and, and scores on every drive in the offensive in the first half then I don't think so. Then I would leave him in and ride the hot hand of Will Howard at that point. So it is game flow dependent because what I will say is something that I brought up and mentioned before. And maybe this is why they don't do it too often or have only done it once. It's hard to run a two quarterback system without disrupting the rhythm of your offense. That is hard. You're cycling quarterbacks on and off the field. Um, so for me, it. My decision making will be based off of Will Howard's performance.
2: How big of a gut check is this game Saturday?
0: Biggest one. It's a fork in the road game. You win. Um, the next two home games look pretty gettable as well with TCU and Houston scuffling. So in a blink of an eye, you go from feeling kind of what down in the dumps to being four and one in the Big Twelve before you face Texas guess what Kansas state's record in the big 12 last year was before they faced Texas four and one. So you'd be in the exact same spot as you were a year ago. So this is a huge critical game. Texas tech is also feeling good about themselves. You have to remember that they had a sore start to the year, losing a couple road games. They're struggling on the road as well. It's hard to win on the road in college football, but they've come back. They've won a couple games very decisively. Playing some uh, a lot better football, feel good about themselves, to the point where they can, you know, re let those you know goals and and dreams of a potential comp- competing for a Big Twelve title resurface now, because now their path is reinvigorated. Kansas State can reinvigorate their path with a win. A loss, you're going back home. That TCU home game no longer looks as gettable. You're three and three overall. You have a losing record in the Big Twelve, and you can no longer put together a clear vision of competing for a Big Twelve championship. So huge game for both teams. I mean, if you because even if you're Texas Tech, you're like a win here and you've won three in a row, you're three and one in the Big Twelve already, but a loss. And what your record is what the three and four already at that point. So this is ooh, this, this game is a pendulum game for both squads. That's why I think you're going to see two teams play very, very well against each other. Someone, in my opinion, is going to play a great game on Saturday and still lose.
2: Cats need to win against a team they've done actually extremely well uh, against over the last decade, uh, including uh, in Lubbock, Texas, just, winning, uh, just losing one uh, out of the last five. All right, let's touch on recruiting here because a big name uh, made some uh, news known to us a couple of days ago. That's Michael Boganowski. He's a four-star, according to Rivals. Um, that linebacker, he's also played a little bit of offense. Actually, quite a bit of offense, really, for Junction City this year. But it was last year, Manhattan Week, uh, that K-State offered him. And now a couple of weeks after he doesn't play in the Manhattan-Junction City game due to injury, he's going to make his announcement a week from tomorrow. I guess let's start with the timing of making that announcement that he's going to make an announcement down to four schools, K-State, Oklahoma, Kansas, and Florida State. I know some K-State fans were a little bit worried about that timing. How would you react to it?
0: It was independent of Oklahoma beating Texas and Kansas State losing to um Oklahoma State. Uh I say this often and I really mean it. I think holistically a season matters. Like the body of work of what a team is doing matters because of the vibes and momentum that it can create. One game, one outcome will never matter, and it doesn't here. Um, His intention was to announce on October 19th. Now, he didn't release that until days ago, but that was a plan that was hashed out a couple weeks ago.
2: So you don't have any – so you're leaning Oklahoma is what you're saying.
0: I am. Yeah. I still believe that Oklahoma is the choice. Okay. But I don't think the timing of the announcement uh, or or anything of that is suggest that it's going to go one way or the other. That was a very independent thought and choice on his part.
2: All right. Well, before we wrap up anything recruiting wise out there, other than Boganowski, you want to get out there, football, basketball.
0: Uh, they're, they're working on flipping uh, two or three prospects football wise uh, committed elsewhere. So we're going to get that spatula out and hopefully flip, flip some prospects, a couple from the group of five, maybe a couple from the power five. Um, TCU will be a big visit weekend for, for both the basketball and football program. Um, and then I think, is it the fall following one against Houston, is where basketball will host um, five star big man, Patrick Gongba, for uh, that last visit.
2: Say his last name one more time. How do you say it?
0: I. I, I'm going with Gongba, okay. but I I cannot be certain, 100% certain that that is accurate. But based on my just experience with those types of, I guess, spellings, I would anticipate that first in being silent.
2: Well, the Three Mile Podcast, Powercat Game Day, K-State Online, you'll find Derek Young just about everywhere these days. D.Y., appreciate your time. We'll see you. We'll talk to you Saturday for Powercat Game Day.
0: I appreciate it. It's
2: Derek Young from Online joining us here on The Game. Still to come in hour number two, we'll obviously get after uh, the big news today in college athletics. That is KU basketball, given its punishment by the IARP after uh, being charged with five level one violations by the NCAA six years ago. It took that long to finally get this thing done. But coming up next, I wasn't here yesterday, so we make it up. We make up for me being gone yesterday. Jabroni of the Week is coming up next. Know your role and shut your mouth, you jabroni. You jabronis hit the jackpot. the Hollywood Burn jabroni. Hulk Hogan. Ow. Is this jabroni's name? Jabroni
1: of the Week.
2: Well, guys, I missed yesterday's show, so we need to crown a jabroni of the week. We just can't let a week slide by without calling somebody a jabroni. But somebody has to be the biggest jabroni of them all through the last seven days. We're not counting Tuesday's news. We're just going from last Monday or two Mondays ago, whatever. You get it. <laughs> um, three dishonorable mentions, and then I'll culminate with my jabroni of the week. Our first dishonorable mention is going to start in the online poker world uh i used to play a lot of online poker i'm sorry until it became illegal (laughs) as a 16 year old to gamble online right in the united states um but anyway my first dishonorable mention is going to those that were playing earlier uh there was actually late last week against patrick leonard leonard has won over six million dollars in online poker winnings Uh, He's kind of a big deal. And he was playing in the 2023 World Championship of Online Poker. He was playing in two tournaments at one time. Oops. Uh, Not oops for him. Really? Oops for those that he was playing against.
1: Oh, geez.
2: Because in a span of 20 minutes, he got two royal flushes and wiped everybody out. The odds of... So he flopped them both. Oh. The odds of flopping a Royal Flush is one in 650,000. I'm, I'm just sitting here going, you know
1: the opportunity to make mistakes when you're playing two hands at once. And he pulled that off.
2: The reason I quit playing poker for over oh. two years is in a tournament, I had a straight flush and lost to a Royal Flush. The second best hand in poker lost to the best hand in poker. And I was knocked out of the tournament. I still cashed, but it knocked me out of the tournament because, of course, we go all in. Um, Poker can be so unforgiving sometimes. A lot of luck involved. A lot of luck involved. My next dishonorable mention will be Boston College quarterback Thomas Castellanos. So... If you didn't catch this game between Boston College and Army, there was a, a who could pretty, blame you? A oh. pretty funny play. <laughs> well, if you could even find it, I don't even know what channel it was on. But yeah, I know. But if you could find it, uh, and I'm sure most people didn't see this, but Boston College trying to score before the half, so they're trying to drive down the field, and the old QB decides to take off and run on the zone read and evades a couple of tacklers and then is finally tackled by a referee. But it's not just your – he actually got brick-walled by the referee. The referee is trying to get out of the way. He's stepping to his left, trying to get out of Castellanos' way. Well, the QB runs right into the ref and just immediately flatbacks. Gets wiped out by the referee. didn't even lower his shoulder. What was that – uh, play back in the day That highlight Was it a Florida State game Or something That was like an ACC game or something And it's You know The team's about to score Well the referee That was kind of Right there in the way Leans his shoulder Into the ball carrier Knocks him down Right Wasn't intending that at all Was just kind of In the way And it turns into A de by The referee Whenever you get Tackled by a referee That's, a, that's an automatic Dishonorable the, So mention. the
1: Stripes Was not playing Like he was Jadavian uh, Clowney No Okay no. Just making sure.
2: Uh, my last dishonorable mention, I'm going to go with uh, Miami Hurricanes on this one. Head coach Mario Cristobal. Did you yeah. see this, Troy, over the weekend I on did. Saturday? I did. The way they what blew it. Undefeated, or, uh, Miami should be undefeated right now and a top 15 team. But they're not, and here's why. Miami had the ball against Georgia Tech. They're on the Yellow Jackets 30. They lead 20-17. to Was not a good game for Miami, but they were going to escape with a victory. Under 40 seconds to go. Georgia Tech does not have any timeouts left. Controversial wisdom by the old Hurricanes. Instead of taking a knee to go to 5-0, and they decide to run the ball. And Donald Cheney Jr. lost the ball right before he was tackled, and it gives the ball back to the old Jackets with 26 seconds left. On the second play of the drive, long pass for 30 yards to the Miami 44, 15 seconds left. Next play, incomplete pass, and then the touchdown. The long ball to the end zone with one second to go. Georgia, the stunning 23-20 win with a second left, and Miami's perfect season is over.
1: Absolutely brutal And, oh, by the way, it's the second time he's done that. I was
2: going to say, because he did it, um, I don't remember what it was, but it was was when he was at Oregon like five or six years ago. Yeah. The same thing happened. Yeah. We do not learn from our mistakes. All right. But finally, here we go. My Jabroni of the Week. We'll go to golfer Shad Tutton.
1: What a golfer name.
2: Shad Tutton. Tutton. Anybody ever heard of this guy? Anybody? Nobody? Probably not. Uh, because he's been trying for a while now to get out of the Corn uh, the Ferry Tour. Okay. Which is the PGA's minor league, I guess. Um, and trying to get his card. He's trying to get to the PGA. Well, he was playing at uh, Victoria National Golf Club. Top 30. Get to the PGA. <sighs> this poor guy. Uh-oh. He managed to do it. Oh. At the end of the day, he got there. He qualified. But under further review. Oh, boy. On this course, you are allowed to pick up the ball, clean it, place it back down. Of course, can't move, but you can place it back down and resume play. So he did so in the 15th hole. And by the way, he had just qualified, just inside the top 30. When he placed his ball down under for the review, and again, this was after he was done, it was determined that when he sat his ball down, it rolled. Oh, no. Two-stroke penalty and moves him out of the top 30. Oh. He'll have to wait another year to oh. try to make it to the PGA Tour. Pain. A minor sliver infraction. Pain. Pain. Screws him out of becoming a PGA golfer. So he'll stay wow. in the minor leagues for another year and he'll try again next year. Wow. Just the pain level. Yeah, a lot of pain. A lot of pain in this week's journey yes. of the week. But I had to give it to Shad. First of all, tough name. Shad. Yeah. Right. Isn't that bait? <laughs> it's like fish bait. Shad.
1: Uh it's a kind and of it fish, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, it's is it a type of fish? I believe it is, okay. yeah. I don't yeah. know. I don't fish anymore, but golfer Shad Tutton is my jabroni of the week. What do we say here? We got a couple of minutes left, and we can get out of here in a couple of seconds. Let's go ahead and, and let's go to wrap up the hour because when we come back, let's get prepared because we got a boy, KU got its uh, punishment. I'm going to air quote there punishment for um, their five level one violations that ended up being downgraded. I guess we're not going to get out on time. <laughs> I was wondering what was going on over there. Um, all right. So, again, when we come back, five level one violations for the Kansas Jayhawks. They get their punishment. It's what we expected, but the the, the, uh-huh. the violation's downgraded. Plus, choice number two song of the day and ask us anything coming up. We'll take our hour break. Your local news is coming up. You're listening to the game.